The solution to the sickness, and I think you've become accustomed to uh, some of my lectures. I, I, I don't prefer, I know it takes sometimes time, but I don't prefer just to share the knowledge and move on. There has to be tangible benefits. Otherwise I feel, as I said yesterday and the day before yesterday, that I came to entertain you all. There has to be tangible benefits. I can't leave you knowing that there's sicknesses without giving you at least one solution. Right? We need, we, we need a whole workshop on this. مَا لَا كُلُّهُ لَا جُلُّهُ That which cannot be done in its entirety should not be left in its entirety. So I'll share you some solutions. So bear with me. Our ulama say that the solutions to the sickness of doubt is seeking knowledge. Is seeking knowledge that nullifies doubt. And when you seek this knowledge, ponder over the knowledge. Don't be somebody who just takes and takes and takes like a blind follower. No. Allah Almighty gave you a mind and He gave you a heart. Ponder over that which you've learned. Allow it to digest and become a part of you. Then we have another sickness. And this sickness is known as the sickness of shahwa. The sickness of following one's desires. We know something is right, but we don't do it. And we know something is wrong, but we still do it. A person who does this is a person who has the sickness of following his or her desires. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the sickness of shahwa in his book. He says, فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ وَقُلْنَ قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the females not to beautify their speech in the presence of males lest you should be a means of instilling desires in their hearts for you and these desires lead to greater harm like fornication and so on and so forth. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ they beautify their, vo- their voices in front of people who have in their hearts the sickness. Which sickness? The sickness of following their desires. Right? Naturally, the genders are inclined to each other. They have a desire for each other. But do you fall prey to this desire every time? No. Why? Because you should be governed by Islam and Iman and the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not someone who's sick and engulfed that you fall prey in following your desires even though you know it's wrong. So this ayah in the Qur'an makes prevalent the presence of the sickness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the sickness. Again, the solution is to attain knowledge. Attain knowledge that makes you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more. Knowledge that makes you remember that your life will come to an end. Knowledge that makes you understand that the life that you have not, that, that you have currently is not in your control. Remember I asked you the other day, I said who can take an oath by God Almighty? Who can challenge God Almighty? That the next breath they supposed to breathe, they will breathe it. Remember I said that? And there were no takers. So if you cannot Take an oath by God Almighty that the next breath you will breathe, that the next breath you're supposed to breathe, you will breathe, then understand how fragile your life is and understand how close death is. And this is a means of fixing this love for one's desires. The Prophet ﷺ said, أَكْثِرُوا ذِكْرَ 
Increase the remembrance of that which kills all desires. Which kills all desires. And that is death. That is death. The pious predecessors before us, those from the best of generations, they would remember death and it would keep them extremely occupied. Ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, it is said that sometimes his students would ask him questions. And it would be at a time when he remembers death. And he would be so busy in his thought about death that the question would not be recognized. And he would have to apologize to his students and ask them to repeat and tell them that I thought about death and I forgot about each and every one of you around me. That's how busy he made himself regarding it. Because death is a reality and we should not live our lives asleep. And when death comes, we, we, we wake up in shock. Rather, let us live our lives awake. And when we pass away, it's something which we expected. It's something which we expected. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Then we have the third sickness. And that is the sickness of heedlessness. And this is something pertinent to everyone in the audience today, including myself. Because shaitan, if he can't stop you from doing something good, he's willing to settle for a 50-50. It's not a win-lose for him. He's willing to settle for a 50-50. If he can't stop you praying, he will affect the quality of your prayer. If he can't stop you doing good, he'll make you forget death. So you become weak in the goodness that you do and maybe tread the path of Eva. As I said, we all know about death, but we forget it. It's just like the person who drives his car on the highway and he sees the sign. What's the speed limit here? 120 kilometers? He sees the sign, 120. 100. Jazakallah khair. We have to be, uh, I'm not encouraging people to speed. Drive at the speed limit. So the speed limit is 100 kilometers an hour and he sees the sign. And after a kilometer, he sees the sign again. And after a kilometer, he sees the sign again. Does it mean that you didn't see the first sign? No. Does it mean that the country has a lot of steel and paint? They love to paint 100, 100, 100 and stick it at every kilometer? No. They're reminding you in case you forgot. Because you know it's 100, but sometimes it's a V6 engine. You forget about it being 100. So you need to be reminded that, listen, it's a V6, but don't forget, it's 100. <laughs> this is ghafla, heedlessness. We live our life in a state of heedlessness. And heedlessness is not something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about heedlessness. He says, وَلَقَدْ ذَرَأْنَا لِجَهَنَّمَ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ أَعْيُنٌ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ آذَانٌ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا أُولَئِكَ كَالْأَنْعَامِ بَلْ هُمْ أَضَلْ أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْغَافِلُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says many from mankind and jinnkind have been created for the hellfire. They have hearts that physically beat, but those hearts are spiritually dead. They have eyes that physically see, but those eyes are spiritually blind. They have ears that physically hear, but those ears are spiritually deaf. La ilaha illallah. 
They are in a state of oblivion, in a state of heedlessness. Allah Almighty says, أُولَٰئِكَ كَالْأَنْعَامِ They are the same as cattle. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, No, they're worse than cattle. Because cattle have not been given the cognitive abilities that you and I have been given. Who are they? أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْغَافِلُونَ They are the heedless ones. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being heedless. What causes ghaflah? What causes heedlessness? Our scholars say that plenty knowledge of this world and not balancing it or beating it with knowledge of the hereafter causes ghaflah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Rum, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِّنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ عَنِ الْآخِرَةِ هُمْ غَافِلُونَ They know everything about the realities of this world. But with regard to the hereafter, they're totally ignorant. They know everything about this world and we know how science has developed. We know how science has developed. And they have found findings that when a believer hears about them, it only makes them more in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It makes us more in awe of the Creator. But there are others who are heedless. They learn these amazing facts and it takes them even further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Someone asked me the other day and said, it's amazing that the scientists have this process known as atheism. When it should bring them closer to the presence of a God. Because of how amazing the discoveries are. And that is true. But the problem with science, and my answer to him was, it's something that lives within the scope of physics and that which is physical. Anything which is metaphysical, it has a problem with. Thus, thus, they might get to a stage where they become amazed, but they'll attribute it to nature maybe, because nature is physical. It's something tangible. It's something that can make sense to them. Our discussion is not science and atheism, but this is just an answer based on a question that you have. So, this is ghafla, and this is heedlessness, and its cause is knowing too much about this world, and not balancing it with knowledge of the hereafter. Learn as much as you want of this world, but tie it to the hereafter, for this world will come to an end. And the life of perpetual time and space is the life of the hereafter. So allow your findings of this world to make you more informed about the hereafter. And let it not be specific to the temporary. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Our, our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, he warned us against this dunya. He said, فَإِنَّهَا حُلْوَةٌ خَضِرَةٌ This world is sweet and green. It has glitter and glamour. It deceives us. So be wary of it. Don't fall prey to it. There's glitter and glamour, that's what it is. It's like seeing something amazing, but as you walk up to it, you find it's plastic. Isn't there some vehicles we purchase and we say, ah, oh, it's all plastic. In the picture it looks nice and it's, it's done up nice, but it's plastic, right? It's not the amazing metals that we thought it was. We were deceived. This is this world. And that is why the best person who walked this world, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, warned us against it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُورِ 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that there is nothing about this life. Again, focus in on the closed ended sentence. There is nothing about this life except mata', except pleasure and ghurur, deceptive pleasure. It's temporary. You are healthy one day, you are sick the next. You are strong one day, you are weak the next. You are wealthy one day, you are poor the next. You are alive one day and you will be dead the next. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us death whilst He's pleased with us. Hassan al-Basri said, regarding this concept of knowing too much of this world and not having enough knowledge about the hereafter, he said that there are people and you recognize in them their knowledge regarding the intricacies of currency. But they don't even know how to observe salah properly. This is a means of becoming heedless. Too much knowledge about the dunya, less knowledge about that which you need in the akhirah. Salah, the first pillar after the shahada, the first concept that God Almighty will question us about on the day of Qiyamah, we lack knowledge of it, but we have intricate knowledge regarding the temporary, which is currency. Our Prophet ﷺ said that he does not fear poverty as a difficulty over us. He does not fear poverty as a difficulty over us. Rather, he fears that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open for us this world, the treasures of this world, the luxuries of this world. And as a result, we will start competing with one another in it as those before us did. And this will destroy us as it destroyed them. Remember the ayah in Surah Al-Hadid? They became a victim of circumstance and time. Thus their hearts became hardened and thus they were from the sinful. What does it mean that they became a victim of, of, of time? What it means is that they began competing with one another during the time in this world regarding the temporary of this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from a hard heart. Amin. How do we fix ghaflah? How do we fix this concept of heedlessness? And becoming people who are aware. We wake up aware and we go to sleep aware. How do we fix this? Our scholars say that the, one of the most effective ways of doing this is to stay away from living in excess. Staying away from excess. Everything in excess is bad for you. Too much wealth is bad for you. Too much sleep is bad for you. Too much food is bad for you. Food, we need food. We need sleep. But if we are excess with regards to it, the results become counterproductive. Sleep is productive for us when done in its, in its limit and capacity. If we exceed that capacity, the results are counterproductive. Eating is good for us. But if we exceed the limitations of consuming food, the results are counterproductive. Just a couple of days ago, somebody said that millions are being spent on research regarding overeating. Because, and somebody answered, I haven't verified the facts, but somebody answered, this is because more people are dying from obesity and overeating than from other causes. Wallahu a'lam, I didn't authenticate or research this, but this was a discussion that happened Believe it or not, over the dinner table. <laughs> the point here is living in excess.
living in excess. We shouldn't live in excess. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-A'raf, and we should learn how Islam is a way of life. That even Islam has revelation regarding how we eat and how much we eat. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا بَنِي آدَمَ خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ وَكُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا وَلَا تُسْرِفُوا إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O children of Adam, addressing everybody, the believers and the disbelievers, because we know sometimes Allah Almighty says, O you who believe. O you who believe. Here he says, Ya Bani Adam. O children of Adam. Khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. Ensure that you dress appropriately when you observe the prayer. Use the most beautiful of clothing. Don't observe salah in your pajamas. Right? Nobody goes out of the home in their pajamas. So how can you stand in front of God Almighty in your pajamas? Right? Khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. Masjid here, as the scholars of tafsir say, is inclusive of both the masjid like this that we're sitting in right now, as well as the place of sujood. Masjid also refers to the place of prostration. So wherever you pray, ensure that you, you dressed appropriately. And then God Almighty says, وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا And eat and drink, وَلَا تُسْرِفُوا But do not be excessive. إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ Indeed, God Almighty does not love the excessive. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Furqan, He praises the Ibadur Rahman. He praises the servants of the most merciful. He praises His servants. And then He goes on to mention their qualities. And from their qualities, He says subhanahu wa ta'ala that they are those that when they spend, they are not excess, excessive in their spending. Nor are they stingy. وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا They are right in the middle. They spend from their extra. They spend whilst their families are fed and looked after. And in the same breath, they're not stingy. They don't pride themselves from being people who never stick their hands in their pockets to take out a dime for the impoverished. They don't pride themselves on that. The point to note here from this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us against being a nation that pride themselves on being excessive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about being a miser and about being excessive again in another ayah, in Surah Al-Isra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَجْعَلْ يَدَكَ مَغْلُولَةً إِلَىٰ عُنُقِقِ وَلَا تَبْسُطُهَا كُلَّ الْبَسْطَ فَتَقْعُدَ مَلُومًا مَحْسُورًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and let your hand not be tied to your neck like a miser. You keep your hands far away from your pockets. Nor stretch it forth to its utmost reach like an excessive spender. Shopaholic, right? There's a term now, shopaholic. Allah says, do not keep your hands far away from your pockets, strangling your neck. And in retrospect, 
Do not stretch it out too far where you become an excessive spender so that you become blameworthy and in severe poverty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us against being people of excess. So to cure the sickness of heedlessness, become people who don't overdo anything. Don't speak too much. Don't socialize too much. Don't eat too much. Don't drink too much. Don't work too much. When we work too much, how does it make us? We start hating the work that we do. And subhanallah, if we look at the sharia, the objectives of the sharia, Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah, in his amazing, amazing book known as Al-Muwafaqat, it's a book in Usul al-Fiqh, he says that the sharia prescribed five times daily salah, and fasting the month of Ramadan, and not every month of the year, and not every day of the week, and not more than five times daily salah. Why? Because if it becomes too much for the believer, it becomes something known as excess. When it becomes known as excess, it becomes something disliked to him. It has counterproductive results on his or her heart. La ilaha illallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also legislated the sharia with balance. With balance. So take this lesson, O servants of Allah. Take this lesson. Don't be excessive. The next formula for ridding yourself of heedlessness is choosing good company. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also taught us and the sharia has also taught us how to choose our friends. Islam is a way of life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladhina wa sadiqeen. Oh you who believe, be God conscious of God Almighty and choose a truthful friend circle. And our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us that a person who has a good friend is like a person who has a friend who sells perfume. When you visit this perfume seller and he's generous, he'll give you a bottle of perfume and you would have benefited in a great way. And if he's not so generous, he will allow you, he will spray some perfume on you. So you will still benefit. And if he's not that generous, then you being in his presence, in the environment of this perfume shop, will allow for the sense of the shop to rub onto your clothes. So when you leave this gathering and you meet someone somewhere else, they'll know where you came from. So whether you intended to benefit or you didn't intend to benefit, if you, if you live and stay in a, uh, in a group that is considered a good friend circle, you will benefit somehow. A good friend circle is that friend circle that reminds one another of the grave that reminds one another about the fragile nature of this life, that reminds one another about the laws of God Almighty. And when you do wrong, they sincere advises to you. They come to you and say, no, you shouldn't do that. They're not people who want to see your downfall. This friend circle helps remove you from the state of heedlessness. And in retrospect, our beloved Prophet ﷺ said that a bad friend circle is like a person who has... A friend who smells iron. When you go visit this friend in his workplace, as he smells iron, as he works by the blast furnace, a spark will fly out from the blast furnace and burn your clothes. Thus you have lost in a great way. And if you say, this is bad company, but I still want to go there, I'm heedless. This is the friend circle that I need, but I will be careful. I will stand far from the blast furnace then know and understand that the black smoke of that environment will attach itself to your clothes and stain your clothes. So whether you like it or not, you have still lost.
And if you say, I will be super careful, and I will stand by the door of the room that leads to this blast furnace, then understand that the fumes in the air, the monoxides in the air, you will have to breathe it, whether you like it or not. So whether you intend to or you don't intend to, you only stand to lose when you live in a bad friend circle. A bad friend circle talks about this world more, talks about following your fancies and desires more, makes you a person in oblivion with regards to the hereafter, thus you enter a period of heedlessness. The third solution, fixing your glances. The scholars say that to remove heedlessness, fix what your eye sees. Now from the outset, if I asked you all, what do you think this means? You'd say it means we should lower our gaze. We should not look at uh, females, uh, gender of the, uh, of the uh, meaning uh, people of the opposite gender, for example. We should lower our gaze, be humble people. Right or wrong? This is correct. Well done. <laughs> this is correct. But there's another meaning to this. And what our scholars teach us is that when you look at something amazing, the Victoria Falls, or maybe your beautiful wife, or for the sisters, their handsome husband, mashallah. When you look and you see something which amazes you, don't leave it unrestricted. Restrict it and immediately tie it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tie that which you love to the one who you should love. Write this in gold, if you have gold pens. Right? This is a coat, it's copyright. Tie that which you love to the one who you should love. This is how you restrict your glances. You don't allow the amazing thing of this world that you've seen to harden your heart. Rather you allow it to build your heart and soften your heart and make you more aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tie that which you love to the one who you should love. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding of this. The next point, O servants of Allah, and I'll end with this. Don't worry, this is the last point is ibadah, is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm not talking about any worship. I'm not talking about that worship which is a norm. How we wake up in the morning and shower and get dressed and have breakfast and go to work and drive on the same road, in the same car, in the same way, to work and sit there the same way and come back the same way. And listen to the same things on the radio. It's called a norm. I'm not talking about a worship which is a norm. I'm talking about true worship. As we discussed in the Jumu'ah Khutbah yesterday. That which is, which you're aware of, which your heart feels. Not a worship where you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in salah and you say Allahu Akbar with your hands and your heart did not do the takbir. And then you went into, in, you, 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 you bowed down, you went into ruku', but your heart didn't go into ruku'. And you went into sujood, but your heart didn't prostrate. And you observed your salah, but only your body observed salah, not your heart. I'm talking about real worship. Real worship cures the heart. I'm talking about a worship, O servants of Allah, that when you say Allahu Akbar, the heart says Allahu Akbar. And the heart understands that I'm standing in front of Allah Almighty. And it's just possible that Jannah is on my right. And the hellfire is on my 
left and the angel of death is behind or maybe in front. And it could be my last prayer. It could be my last prayer. So I'm going to make full use of it. I'm talking about true worship where the heart is engaged in that worship. I'm talking about when you fast the month of Ramadan, it's not that your body is starved. When you started your fast, your heart started fasting as well. Many times people say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Salah puts an end to evil and puts an end to immorality. But how come we have Muslims who observe salah, but they engage in interest-based transactions? Their, business are, their businesses are built on interest, for example. They observe the salah, but they speak vulgar words. How come? Isn't salah supposed to put an end to this? We say, yes, it is. But the problem is, they observe salah with their bodies and not with their hearts. The only benefit they gain from the prayer is that the angel ticks that they prayed the prayer. That's it. But they didn't earn the maximum rewards they could from that prayer, nor did they earn the maximum benefits of that prayer. Some people say, fasting the month of Ramadan, <coughs> excuse me, fasting the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says from the wisdoms of fasting for one month is, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may attain God consciousness. But how come we have people who fast the month of Ramadan, the whole month, and on the day of Eid, they're giving a bad impression of Islam. They drive their cars with loud music in neighborhoods. And they disturb the Muslims and the non-Muslims. In some places, subhanAllah, non-Muslims have to leave that city because of the harm of these Muslims. So where is the taqwa? Where is the taqwa? And I said, no, don't blame the fast. The fast is there to help you develop God consciousness. However, they fasted with their bodies and not with their hearts. It was a physical fast. They lost weight. That's what they did. But they didn't feed their hearts. Subhanallah. When the body starves in the month of Ramadan, the heart becomes fed. But they failed to do this and they failed to attain this. And that's why it's important when we judge Islam, judge Islam based on its sources. Don't judge it based on you and me. Don't judge it based on what I do or what the Muslims do. And this is sad that we have to say this. Wallahi, it's sad. Until when, O servants of Allah, until when, O oh children of Adam, do we have to read about Islam in books and listen about Islam on CDs and on tapes and MP3 recordings? Until when? When are we going to see Islam in and amongst us, moving Muslims around us, those who live and breathe Islam? The teachings of Islam are prevalent in their lives, as was in the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ Aisha radiallahu anha, his wife says, his character was the Qur'an. When are we going to strive to make our character the Qur'an? When, O oh servants of Allah? When death knocks our door? When it's too late? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from heedlessness. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from doubt. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from following our desires. I've taken much of your time. I do leave this evening. And my heart is attached to yours, so I didn't realize the time, subhanAllah.
I love you all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly unites us again. But please help honor this love that we have by truly allowing this visit that Allah has blessed us with. He allowed you to visit me and me to visit you. It's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bless this love by making a real difference in your life. That we sat together and we learned together from the inheritance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it wasn't that we sat and we had an iman boost. May Allah give us an iman boost. But then as we departed, this boost departed as well. And we went back to our old ways as soon as we sat in our vehicles. As soon as we sat in our vehicles, in the passenger seat was shaitan. And shaitan said, well done, now let's get back to work. Let it not be that. Let it not be that. I implore you, my brothers and sisters. I implore you, my mothers and fathers. I implore you, O servants of Allah. And implore you, O children of Adam, as those who I love for the sake of Allah. I love because the, the bond of Islam that we have between us, I implore you to make a difference. You are not created to just breathe the air of this earth and just be somebody who's taking space on the face of this earth. You are not. You were created to be more than that. You were created to be a selfless person. You were created to be a person who lives for the sake of Allah, who lives to serve Islam and the Muslims for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are a person of substance. You are a person of substance. So go home and analyze how you can become that person of substance. Start tonight by taking a paper and write down the sins that you are weak with. Start tonight by doing that. And set a timeline on how you're going to rid yourself from these sins. I'm not saying dump the sins today, no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-merciful. If you have a sincere intention to dump them, inshallah He will grant you the life to dump them. He'll give you in the life that you need to get rid of them. Don't dump them all at once, because if you let go all at once, they come back all at once. Ask yourself, what sins can I get rid of immediately? And which are the major sins that affect me greatly? And work on them. Work on them. Remember, our life, and our life is a journey to Allah. We are plowing like the farmer. It needs effort. We're not in paradise. If you feel that your life is easy, there's something wrong with you. We're not in paradise. And as you write that form, write a list of good deeds that you aspire to bring into your life. And slowly but surely bring them into your life. Not all at once. Because if you bring them all at once, they will go all at once. Slowly but surely. The Prophet said, The most beloved actions to God Almighty are those actions which are small, which are little, but continuous. But continuous. It is better for you to recite one ayah in the Quran every single day rather than reading the Qur'an once a month, on one day. So if you decide that I want to be a person, I want to start by looking after the sunan al-rawatib. The sunan al-rawatib, right? The voluntary prayers that our Prophet ﷺ maintained, which are situated around the obligatory prayers. Start by being continuous with one. Start by observing two raka'at, the, the, the sunan raka'at of Salatul Fajr. Start with that. Make it part and parcel of your life. 
And be sincere with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you want to attain the rest. And when you become constant with it, introduce some more. And then introduce some more, and then introduce some more. I want to fast more. Start fasting Monday. Don't do Monday and Thursday. Start with Mondays. It might take you one year of only fasting on a Monday. It's fine. As long as you're continuous with it, Allah loves it. And inshallah, Allah will open your heart and make it easier for you to take on the next step. Salatul Duha, the salah that's prayed after sunrise and before Zawal, before the sun reaches its zenith. Start with it if you want, one day a week. But make sure every day of that week you observe it. And then make it twice and thrice until it becomes a part of your life. Slowly but surely, but please start. And let this be the point of your start. For Allah, it would be the coolness of my eyes if I met you one day and you bore testimony to the precedence of this trip. It would make it feel worthwhile for me and I'm sure it will make it worthwhile for you. For time is something that as every second passes, we move closer to our grave. And we don't want to make all the seconds we've spent together worthless. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us death whilst He's pleased with us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a grave which is a garden from the gardens of Jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise us on the day of Qiyamah when we are from the people of Jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us underneath His arsh on the day of Qiyamah, underneath His throne on the day of Qiyamah as we love each other for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Make our standing in front of Him easy on the day of Qiyamah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us our book of good deeds in our right hands on the day of Qiyamah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enter us into paradise without accountability. An automatic and immediate entrance. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only grant us paradise, but paradise with Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon all able. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering that is forgiven upon its departure. Once again, I love you all for the sake of Allah. Any mistakes from myself are from myself and shaitan. And I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And everything correct that I've said is from God Almighty. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And He is perfect. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. سبحانك اللهم هم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته